Good morning, church. It's great to see so many of you guys here today. Um, Last week, I had the opportunity to preach this at um, Hope Church while Pastor Tanner was here talking to you about... Sorry, there's a really weird humming. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Um, Pastor Tanner was talking to you guys about embracing the community. Um, Here's part two to that message. It's embracing the community of the church. So for many who are about to become parents for the first time, there are a ton of questions. The questions of, how is the delivery going to go? When will the baby be here? Um, What if I'm not a good parent? What does it even mean to be a good parent? Um, How do I want to raise my children? Um, So many questions. So many questions that sometimes go unanswered, but hopefully not always. Uh, Then the day comes, the baby day gets here, and there is so much anticipation, so much excitement. The the doctors swoop in. They help to deliver the baby. The nurses are there to help take care of the baby. Um, When when the woman is still in the hospital, or the, the husband and the wife, when they are still in the hospital, they are surrounded then by this team to help nurture and and help these people learn what it means to be new parents. And then inside, or outside of that little tiny room, there's a whole world of people waiting, watching their phone, screaming from the waiting room, tell me about this baby. Is it here yet? What's its name? When was it born? How big is it? So many questions because people care. In that moment, their identity shifts. Because in that moment of birth, they go from being their own self to being parents. They now have this new identity. This identity that says, my world is no longer my world anymore. My world belongs to this child. And I can't do this alone. Um, and so that whole community that was sitting there waiting, anticipating this arrival of this baby embraces this new parent under this new identity and says, I'm going to come alongside you. I'm going to be part of your village that helps to raise your child and helps you along in your new identity to become, as in this journey of parenthood. When you stop and think about it, it doesn't just sound like the new parent, Right? kind of sounds like when we adopt a new identity of being a Christian and, and we step foot into what ought to be the church. Today's scripture comes from Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. So put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Sorry, I'm starting a lot earlier than that, and that's okay. Because um, it works. <laughs> because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the way of life you once lived. But now, you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. 
Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, sim, psalms, hymns, and songs of praise from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen. Um, now, verses 5 through 11 or five through 10, I'm not going to elaborate too much on that because I'm not necessarily gonna be addressing the transformation that we need to have. I think everybody in this room has understood, most of those listening, understood the transformation to be found in Christ. But it's important to address here, obviously, Paul is addressing it. He's addressing it to a group of people in the city of Colossia who um, were just now learning and figuring out what life was to look like in Christ. You see, they had found the forgiveness and the mercy and the love of Jesus Christ, but they lived in a society that didn't have any idea how to live that out. The redemptive work of the Holy Spirit was in them, but how am I supposed to change that? I don't know what that means. They were conflicted. And Paul used this section of scripture to give them some guidelines of what it would look like. But before he could address these guidelines of what does it look like, he had to address the old ways of life. Um, he, he uses a lot of clothing language in here. And Pastor Tanner mentioned this a few weeks ago. Um, but clothing mattered in that society. What you wore mattered. And if you wanted to change your place in society, you had to change what you wore. So um, he's telling them here to put off the old self, to take off the old clothes, and to change their status. That's something they got. Um, the, the old clothes that they needed to get rid of, the, the parts of society that were so ingrained in them that they needed to get rid of to put on new clothes were... Um, sorry, were um, impurity, relationships that shouldn't take place anywhere other than in marriage, self-gratification, evil desires, worshiping anything that wasn't from God. They had to get rid of anger, rage, lies, and hate. They had to stop using bad language and, and having negative thoughts, um, impure thoughts as part of their lifestyle. They needed to stop caring only about themselves and start caring for others. You see, all of those things, they only led to death and destruction, to brokenness, to pain, to destruction, um, hatred, and immorality. And Paul was saying these things have zero place in the church. So if they wanted to be the church, they had to get rid of all of that from their own lifestyle. Um, I think that's all I need to say about that. <laughs> the rest of this, though is all about putting on 
new clothes, about changing their identity in society from what it was like to be a Colossian to what it's like to be a Christian. I think the first and the most important thing, there's, there's two, maybe not the most important, but there's two things that Paul calls out. First off, nobody is excluded. Nobody is excluded from the love of Christ. When we come into the church, we know that. We know that Christ has radically changed us, but Christ can just as radically change us. For the people of Colossians, I need to stick there. But just as they were radically changed from being a Gentile to now being a Christian, being allowed to participate in this lifestyle of following Christ, though the rest of the world of, in Colossia can do the same thing, outside of Colossia, can do the same thing. They have the same opportunity. It doesn't matter their background. They are afforded the same love of Jesus Christ as those that had already found Christ's love and mercy. We know this because God is over all, he is through all, and he is in all, and therefore we can see God in everything. We all have the opportunity, they all had the opportunity to be image bearers of Christ. They are God's chosen people. This is a huge shift because everything in the Old Testament says that who's the chosen people? The Jews. They're Colossians, they're not Jews, they're Gentiles. And Paul is saying that you are God's chosen people. You are set aside for the work of God. And now, there's no longer this division. Now, they can be a part of the new identity that is found in Christ alone. And they are able to bring together, to raise up the church, to raise up new believers, and to raise up even those who are not yet in the church. So here's Paul's guidelines for the Colossians. They need to clothe themselves in tender mercy and kindness. In doing so, they will be kind and compassionate and loving for, or towards the other believers. They will show deep care and concern for the other believers. They need to clothe themselves in humility, putting the others in the church ahead of themselves, putting aside their own desires, their own selfishness to better the lives of those in the church that may be struggling with something. We have a great demonstration of that with Jesus' death on the cross, don't we? They need to clothe themselves in gentleness and patience. It's kind of hard to to be patient when we want things done right now the way we do it. But he is saying, clothe yourselves in that patience because everybody needs the chance to grow. Be gentle because everybody needs the chance to grow. He's telling them that they need to clothe themselves in harmony. When disagreements break out, when fights break out, don't fight, but put up with each other. Bear with each other. Say, I don't agree with you, but I love you anyway. They need to clothe themselves and forgive this. They need to freely forgive the grace or give grace to somebody when they don't deserve that grace, just like Christ forgave us, just like Christ forgave them in the death of the cross. It's a radical kind of forgiveness, and they need to present that forgiveness to one another. If they're not willing to forgive, it's only going to bring pain and destruction, not just to the relationship, but to the church as a whole. 
But when forgiveness is practiced, the freedom for others in Christ is provided. They need to clothe themselves in love because love breeds unity out of diversity. When they show love to one another, there's an unbreakable bond that forms, and no one can be forced to leave that bond. I want you to understand, people can choose to leave the bond, but nobody can be forced to let that bond be broken. You see, love is the evidence that the church is being Christ to the world. And if a church doesn't show the love within, to its own people, then the church will not be able to show love to the world. It's kind of a painful statement to say, but it's true. They need to clothe themselves in peace. At the daycare, I'll ask my kids, what is peace? And they're like, oh, it's calm. It's like the break in the storm. And, and it's one step further than that. You see, peace isn't just about making things calm and quiet. Peace is about bringing restoration from, from pain. It's about restoring relationships with two parties, or when two parties are broken. It's about bringing them together to find unity again. So Paul is telling the Colossians, when there is disunity in your, in your congregation, make it right. And they need to clothe themselves in thankfulness, meaning that they need to praise God for what they have, and when they learn to praise God for what they have, then they will begin learning to build everything in their relationship and in their worship to God. I may not have what I want, God, but I'm thankful for what I do have, and as a result, I will praise you. When we start there, we grow. And they need to clothe themselves in correction. <laughs> correction. This, <laughs> this meant that they are, I say that because I, I hate this, part of it. I really do. I don't like being corrected, but I know it's important. Um, <laughs> they need to clothe themselves in correction, meaning that we, they are responsible for one another's sins. And when one sins, the, the church needs to call them out on it. Not to kick them out from the church, but to call them out on it and help to restore them back to their relationship. And they need to clothe themselves in praise to God as a unified body of believer. This is where you can't be a Christian on, on your own comes in. We all know how to praise God on our own. But to come together and say, I'm going to praise God next to you. I'm going to worship the same God with you. And blend our worship together. That's when God can truly be glorified. And that is what he's telling them. You as individuals can worship God, but you as a whole can sing louder than anyone else. Think about it. Is it easier to hear music when there's a bunch of it being played or when it's just one person on their own standing in a field? It's the same kind of thing. When people gather together to worship God, the glory of God can be magnified for the world to see. I want to say that we are like this church. I really want to say that we are like this church. But some of it is media's portrayal of the church. Unfortunately, some of it's not media's portrayal of the church. You see, more and more, the church is getting a negative reputation, and it's not just because media makes it look bad. Um, it's, it, people aren't leaving churches because they don't love God anymore. 
People aren't leaving churches because God's not with me anymore. They, they, they go home and they worship by themselves. What's sad is that people are leaving the church because the church isn't being the church. Um, I have a, a friend who feels like he has no place to be, belong because every church he's been to says, you can't be here. So why should he fulfill his call to ministry when the church, the church says he can't be a part of the church? I would love to say that we're a church like Paul wrote, but it's kind of hard for me to see that when I hear these stories over and over and over again, and my heart is broken. You see, what people see is the anger and the hatred that the church has for, for others outside of it. And I know that it may sound like I'm speaking specifically about Battle Creek First Church of the Nazarene. And if I am, then I'm going to say, hope that that's the Holy Spirit doing some conviction. <laughs> I'm talking about the church universal. The church as a whole is doing this. It's heartbreaking because all that is seen is the anger and the hatred and the lies that go on. It's a place where people go to be filled, but when they leave these, this church, they're not living it out. And so why would somebody want to be a part of a church, a part of an organization that says, I live my life this way, but then they don't live their life that way? The Sunday morning Christian is becoming popular and people don't really want to get out, take off their old clothes. They just want to look like it. They want to look like I have this new identity, but I don't want to change my lifestyle that I lived beforehand. And as a result, the church is not being Christ, and people don't want to be a part of that world. I had a friend tell me a little bit of her own story about how she found a church, though, to embrace her and her family. She, she wrote this. I left a church because of the pastor's wife. She was so mean and uncaring and unforgiving. We couldn't get past her mean spirit and her unforgiveness over an innocent misunderstanding. We left another church years ago because it was too clicky. We recently started going back to a church we went to when our kids were young. We felt so welcomed, so wanted. A couple at our table said their kids did some naughty stuff when they were teens. The church still loved them and welcomed all of them, including the older child that did the naughty stuff. See, that's what I want in a church. Love, forgiveness, lifting one another up, and all the while worshiping our wonderful Savior. The world is looking for a place to belong. The world is looking for a place that as she puts it, hold on, I've got to go back. As she puts it, a place of love and forgiveness, of building each other up, and of worshiping God together. That's what they want. They're looking for a place that offers kindness, mercy, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, peace, and love. Isn't that what we should be? Isn't that the place that we should provide for people? If the church provides this, then those who are not in the church will feel like they belong when they walk in the doors. We have the opportunity to be that place. We have the opportunity for people to establish their new identity in Christ. We have the opportunity to be the place where people go to find joy in celebrating their new identity. So how do we do this? Well, 
Paul tells us how. These aren't hard and fast guidelines. They aren't, if you don't do this, then this is like, you're going to be in trouble, mister. But if you do this, then the glory of God will be presented. So church, I am calling all of us to take off our clothes of selfishness that the world wears and clothe ourselves in the identity that offers a new life to other people. I'm calling us to clothe ourselves in tender mercy and kindness. And when, you, when we do this, we will find ourselves leaning towards compassion for each other in the church. We will find ourselves concerned for the other members of the church. We will find ourselves desiring the connection with each other. More concretely, if you haven't seen or heard from somebody in a while, pick up the phone, they might need you. That's what mercy and kindness looks like. You see somebody who is kind of withdrawing from, from the congregation, find a way to contact them and pull them back in because they might be hurting and might be feeling like the church is no longer a place where I can be. Clothe yourselves in mercy and kindness towards that person. Clothe yourselves in humility, putting the needs of others ahead of yourself. When we put others' needs ahead of our own, we realize that the needs of others are greater than the needs of ourselves, and we are able to show a greater love for our community. Clothe yourselves in gentleness and patience, adapting to the needs of others, and be patient with them when, you, when we don't see eye to eye. Again, that's a really hard one because we have our beliefs and we don't like to bend to other people's needs, but when we're willing to stop and to be patient and to bear with one another and to carry one another's burdens it makes the relationship so much stronger. And it's okay to not agree on everything. But don't be disrespectful about it. Don't be rude to each other about it, but be loving in regards to it. Clothe yourselves in harmony. That, that goes with what I just said. When, when we decide that we are going to be in a relationship together, then as we're in harmony with one another, our relationship will be that much stronger, and it won't matter if we see differently. Um, I'm going to make a music reference here, but we all, we all know the standard line, the melody. That's what we sing typically, but how much richer is that music when the different notes come in underneath it and, and blend with it, and it helps to bring that music into a more full picture of the beauty of it? It's the same thing. We have the melody of Christ running through us. And when we are living with harmony with one another in Christ, the fullness and the beautiful picture of God, the beautiful music of God plays out even greater and the glory of God can be shown that much more. We need to clothe ourselves in forgiveness. That's another hard one. But we need to offer each other the life-shattering grace that Christ has given us. When we offer each other that, we are offering each other the freedom to live a full life in Christ. When somebody in the church hurts us, we need to forgive them and move on and, and rebuild that relationship. And that goes along with 
clothing yourself in peace. Remember, peace isn't just about making things calm. It's about restoring those relationships. So you must forgive one another, but you also must bring reconciliation either to somebody else in the church that's fighting or to somebody that you might be disagreeing with. Make things right. Be the peace of Christ. When we can offer that to each other, then when somebody else walks in these doors, we will be willing to offer them that same reconciliation that can be found in Christ. But we can't do that if we can't show it to one another. Clothe ourselves in thankfulness, bringing praise to God for what we have been given. Church, we have been given an amazing thing. Look around you. We, we got brand new pews or brand new chairs instead of the pews, right? Thank God for those. Because now we have a, a place that looks a little bit more inviting, a place that's a little bit more comfortable for people to come in and sit down and worship God. They're just chairs, but be thankful that we could afford the new chairs to bring into this new place or into this place that is part of a community that can transform, right? Be thankful that we have a church that's open to worship. There are still churches around the world that doors are closed because they can't open back up, whether for safety or they had to shut their doors permanently because they didn't have the opportunity. So be thankful that we have this place to meet, to come together, to fellowship with one another. Because God has given us this place, and when we can be thankful for this place, we can be thankful and we can praise God so much more fully as a congregation. We need to clothe ourselves in correction. That means when we see somebody in our congregation who's not living the full life God has called them to, we need to call them out on it. That's uncomfortable, and that's hard, but scripture says that we cannot let each other go on sinning. I think of the imagery, and I can't remember the, the reference offhand, but about the body, and when one part of the body is infected, and one, when one part of the body is broken, it affects the entire body. When one member of the church is sinning, it infects the entire church. And what does the body do? What's the body's natural reaction in, in the human physical body? It's to heal itself, right? If we as a church want to be whole and healthy, we as a church must correct. We as a church must offer then forgiveness and healing to bring growth. So we need to close ourselves in correction so that we as a church can grow, that we as a church can heal and move forward. We don't kick that person out of our church. I, I've had friends get kicked out of churches because of a sin that they have done. And that person never walked back into another church. But what I know is that just like my friend's story, when we can forgive, when we can correct, when we can heal, and when we can do it in a loving way, the church body will grow. That woman felt welcomed because the church was willing to, willing to let healing happen within its own doors, to let correction happen within its own doors. Clothe yourselves in communal praise to God as a body of believers. Don't just worship at home on your own. Come together, because I can guarantee that when we worship as a body, the glory of God is magnified. 
When we worship together, we walk away feeling refreshed. And what does that do for the community? It brings refreshment to the community because we feel like we've been to church. Then we can show that same glory to God. Again, going back to that harmony thing, one on its own sounds nice. You bring in all of those other, the other instruments, the other music, the other vocal notes underneath it, alongside it, and the glory of God is magnified that much more. Um, here's another example. So band practice was just this week for Harper Creek, or last week, right? And my kids were always like, Miss Tabby, what's that music? What's that noise? Well, it's an entire band of students playing in harmony together on a field across the street. But I can guarantee you, if one person standing out there blowing their trumpet, the kids would not have heard it. When we come together to praise, the glory of God is magnified. Lastly, and as Paul even says, most importantly, we need to clothe ourselves in love. Love sums all of this up. So if you take away nothing else from my sermon today, take away this little bit. Clothe yourselves in love because love breeds unity in the midst of diversity. Show love to one another and your bond will be unbroken. If, it, if we don't show love, then we cannot be a church to the world. If we cannot show love, if we cannot show everything else we did today because of love, then we cannot be Christ to the world. When we clothe ourselves in love, mercy, humility, gentleness, patience, peace, or peace and love, and all of those things are encapsulated by love, then the community will see Christ at work in it. The love we have for one another is the evidence that we are Christ in the world. Church, when we love each other, we have the opportunity to care for one another. We have the opportunity to carry each other's burdens, to praise God together. We have the opportunity to forgive each other the way that Christ has forgiven us. We have the opportunity to, live, to, to lay down our lives for each other. This is love. This is what Christ did on the cross for us, right? He showed us this love, and as we do this, because Christ did that, then we can be love out there. Do you get that? We literally have the opportunity to be the, the love of Christ to the world as long as we are showing love within the church to each other we can be the love of Christ to the world. Let that sink in for a minute.